We are in Judges, the uh, fifth chapter, the song of Deborah. So we're going to pray and then we'll get started. Today we're at verse 13 in the song of Deborah and uh, we'll hopefully finish the song today. Hopefully. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the delicious food, the sweet fellowship. Thank you for the joy of studying your word. And so we ask now that you'll speak to our hearts and our desire is to learn, but our greater desire is to glorify you in all that we say and do. So bless us uh, this day. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Okay, um, the, 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 fifth ch- the, the fifth chapter really reiterates the events of the fourth chapter and the victory of Deborah and Barak over uh, Jabin and his general Sisera. So here is a, a redo of it in chapter 5, but it's different because chapter 5 is really the theological perspective of that military victory. So in chapter 4, you get the facts. Uh, God is mentioned only three times in chapter 5 of chapter 4, but in chapter 5, God's in almost every verse. And it's the theological look, the theological view of the victory of, of Israel. So with that in mind, I want to pick up at verse 13 in this song of Deborah. And let's read verses 13 through 18 from, and, and then we'll talk about these verses. So here we go. Verse 13. The remnant of the nobles came down. The people of the Lord came down to me against the mighty. Now, the mighty, he is referring to as Sisera and his powerful army. What what did Sisera have in addition to his troops that made him so significantly powerful? Yes, the iron chariots, the iron chariots that Israel did not have, and they also didn't have a trained army. They had an army, but not a trained army, but Sisera's army was trained and had chariots. So, um, if you want to think about this in sports terms, what happened was a monumental titanic upset. Nobody would have thought that Israel would win this battle. Nobody except those who believe in God and those who are trusting him. So, verse 14, some came from Ephraim whose roots were in Amalek. Benjamin was with the people who followed you. From Machir, captains from Machir, captains came down. From Zebulun, those who bear a commander's staff. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah. Yes, Issachar was with Barak, sent under his command into the valley in the districts of Reuben. Oh, excuse me, let me put a period at the word valley and then say in the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. So there's a shift in focus from talking about those who had joined in the battle from among the 12 tribes. He says in, in verse, the latter part of verse 15, but in Reuben's territory, there was much searching of heart. Why did you stay among the sheep pens? In other words, why did you stay home? Why did you stay at your daily tasks? Why did you stay among the hands to hear the whistling for the flocks? 
in the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Now, when he implies there, he's not really implying that they were seeking God's will. He is implying that they were looking for reasons not to join the battle. Now, in verse 17, Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did he linger by the ships? Asher remained on the coast and stayed in his coves. The people of Zebulun risked their very lives. So did Naphtali on the terraced fields. Now, with your map in hand, I want you to to look at that for a moment. And I know the print is smaller than some of us would prefer. That's why I'm bending over to look as closely as I can. But Deborah was from uh, Bethel. And if you want to know where that was, find Ephraim right in the middle of the map. The color is a kind of a cream color, Ephraim. And you'll see in the eastern part that Bethel is really right on the border of Benjamin and Ephraim. Okay? Now, Barak was from Kedesh. And Kedesh, if you go north to the next cream-colored territory, Naphtali, you'll see Kedesh as big as day. That's where Barak was from. Now, uh, Jabin was from Hazor. Do you see Hazor just underneath the word Kedesh? That's where Jabin was from, the king uh, of the Canaanites, the enemy. And Sisera... His general was from Harosheth Hagoim, which is not on this map, but if you can find Megiddo, uh, if you can find Megiddo in the area of Manasseh, the left-hand Manasseh, not the right-hand Manasseh, the western Manasseh, if you can see Megiddo, just go northwest a few miles, and that's where Harosheth Hagoim would have been. Now, you've all heard of Megiddo, Book of Revelation, the Valley of Armageddon. So that's where it's located. So are you with me so far? Are you able to find these? Good. Oh, awesome. Okay. Now, Mount Tabor, if you'll go right in the middle north a little bit to the tribe of Issachar, uh, it's blue. If you'll see the tribe of Issachar, then you'll find the word Mount Tabor uh, just inside the territory of Issachar. So that's where they gathered for battle at the direction of the Lord. Then um, Gilead is between Reuben and Gad. If you'll go over to the right-hand side and you'll see Gad and Reuben, then Gilead is between Reuben and Gad. So that, that just kind of gives you a, a little picture of some of what we're talking about. So, so let me go back to the text. It says in verse 14, Some came from Ephraim. Can, can, can you find the tribe? Of, uh, of of Ephraim, do you see it? Right there in the middle, cream-colored Ephraim. And then Benjamin, you, do you see little Benjamin right there underneath Ephraim, the tribe of Benjamin? They came. Then Zebulun, if you will go up north, Zebulun's not very big, but if you'll look right next to Mount Tabor, you'll see Zebulun. Okay, you still still with me? Then Issachar, if you will um, see if you can find Issachar, it's right underneath Zebulun. It's not very big. 
got Mount, if you found Mount Tabor a minute ago, then you're in Issachar. And then, um, if you'll look for, for Reuben, if you'll go down to the Dead Sea, or it's called the Salt Sea in the map, go to the eastern side of the Salt Sea, in the green color, you'll see Reuben. And that's, they were searching their hearts, or in reality, looking for reasons not to join the battle. So why did they stay among the sheep pens? That was and is uh, sheep territory. I mean, it is today still. You go there and you sheep herds all over the place. So Reuben right there. And, and then if you look for, for, um, for, for Gilead, you're not going to find it, but remember it's halfway between Gad and Reuben. And so um, they stayed home. And then go to uh, Dan, if you go over to the Mediterranean, there's a little green territory called Dan. Joppa is in Dan. If you're looking along the coast and you find Joppa, that's a tribe of, of Dan. You can go to Joppa today, and it's a, a very large, thriving city. So just to, just to the south of current-day Tel Aviv. So we all have heard of Tel Aviv, so if you... If you see Joppa, then modern-day Tel Aviv is just like Joppa's a um, today would be we would consider to be a suburb of, of Tel Aviv. Okay, so Dan lingered by the ships. So that is Deborah's word picture to say, right on the Mediterranean where the boats come in, they would have come into Joppa. Dan stayed home, and then Asher remained on the coast. Go north. You see in purple, Asher, where Akko and Tyre are located, shipping areas then and now. So Asher, they stayed on the coast and stayed in their coves. There are a lot of coves, caves along there, and they stayed. But then she says in her song, the people of Zebulun risk their very lives. So do you see Zebulun? If you had Asher, just go southeast of Asher, and there's Zebulun. And then so did Naphtali on the terraced fields. Naphtali uh, then and now had lots of agriculture that was terraced. If you've never seen a terraced area with your own eyes, you can easily picture it. Just on the sides of hills, terraces with walls that made the ground level for the crops. So, in her song, Deborah says, praise God for those who helped and shame on those who didn't. Now, if you were the leader of, uh, say, for instance, the tribe of Reuben, and you had known that for all of eternity, people would be thinking about the song of Deborah and that you didn't come, would your decision have been any different? Or Asher or Dan, if they had known that several thousand years later, people would be thinking, what a shame, shame on Dan, shame on Asher. Would they have changed their mind? I don't don't have any way of knowing that. But that is the truth of the matter. So as we look at those verses, we find not all Israel rallied to Barak's banner. Some from Ephraim and Benjamin did, as did Issachar, but Reuben did not, Gilead did not, Dan did not, Asher did not. They stayed home. 
But the real praise of Deborah goes to Zebulun and Naphtali. Apparently, they committed more than she would have ever expected to the battle. Okay? So you, you just trying to give you a little picture. Sometimes we read all these place names and we think, where in the world is that? Well, this kind of helps you fill in the fill in the blanks. Now go to verse 19. Kings came. They fought. The kings of Canaan fought. At Tanakh, by the waters of Megiddo, oh, there's that famous place, by the waters of Megiddo, they took no plunder of silver. Talking about who? The Canaanite kings. They did not get any plunder. Why? Because they lost. You got to win to get some plunder. They didn't get any plunder. They lost. Now, we'll see that emphasized at the end of this chapter. From the heavens, the stars fought. So we're getting this word picture of the immensity of this battle. It was big. You're talking about 10,000 on the side of Sisera and perhaps a similar number on the side of Barak and Deborah. That's a lot of folks. But one army's trained, one army's not, and one has iron chariots and the other doesn't. So you look at that and you think, they don't have a chance. Well, humanly speaking, they didn't. But with God, all things are possible, and God changes the equation. So often we think, can't do it, can't be done, I can't do it, church can't do it, kingdom of God can't do it. And humanly speaking, that's accurate. But God changes the equation. And with God, all things are possible. And so we, like Deborah and like Barak, must remember that. When God guides us and instructs us, then he will provide everything we need to do whatever it is he wants us to do. And almost everything God wants us to do is in keeping with with the Scripture. And so when we read it and we, we sense the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we go, we move forward, and we do what God wants us to do. So... In, 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 in verses 19 through 22, these beautiful word pictures of the immensity of the battle. Then in verse 21, the river Kishon swept them away. Now go back, uh, go back to your map and refine Mount Tabor. And you'll see in light blue this dotted line and printed on it is Kishon R, which, uh, you know, means Kishon River. K-I-S-H-O-N. Do you see it? Have you found it? You got it? Nod your head. Okay, you got it. Okay, there's the Kishon River. That's where they fought this battle. The river Kishon. But wait a minute. The river Kishon swept them away. Well, I thought all along that Israel's powerful army did it. Here's how they won. The river Kishon swept them away. The age-old river, the river Kishon, keeps rolling along. We'll elaborate on that in a minute. March on, my soul, be strong. Then thundered the horse's hooves, galloping, galloping, go his mighty steeds. Do you get the flavor of this song, poetry? Have no idea what it sounded like. I guess if you hear an Israeli song, you could kind of say, okay, it's something like that. And it's a word picture. It is beautiful as Deborah sings this. Now, let's look at those verses. This is the Lord's victory. That's what Deborah wants everybody to know. This is the Lord's victory. Nowhere does Deborah say, aren't I the most marvelous woman in all the world? She doesn't say that. 
She doesn't say, isn't Barack the most powerful man you ever saw in all your life? She doesn't say that. God, the Lord, gets the victory. Canaan fought and won and got no plunder because they lost. Or faint, they, they fought and lost and they got no plunder because they lost. No plunder. In verse 19. Verse 20, the God who rules nature was fighting against Sisera and his army. Now, remember when we said last week that in reality, God is luring the army of Sisera to the base of Mount Tabor. Yes, the Israeli army went up Mount Tabor and Sisera was informed that that's where they were. And he moves that way. And then what does he do? He builds his camp along the Kishon River. That makes imminent sense. You're going to need water for your horses, water for your troops. It makes sense. We're going to camp out along the Kishon River. That also lets us know the immensity of this miracle because it is the dry season. Now, Sisera didn't get to be known as a great general because he was dumb. He did not expect the rain or else he would have put distance between himself and the Kishon River. The rainy season, the flood season, he would have camped more toward the base of Tabor. But he's right up against the river and the rains come and he didn't expect that and the torrential rains come and the river rises rapidly and guess what happens? You can't break camp in five minutes. You just can't do it. And so here it comes and his chariots are rendered useless. They're bogged down in the water. A flood caused by the rain brought by God and Sisera's army is utterly destroyed. So, showing the greatness of God. So, in reality here, we're seeing that Deborah in her song is not trying to glorify herself or Barak, although certainly their names are mentioned, but the glory goes to God. Barak and, and Deborah can't make it rain. They can't do anything to make it rain. And when they were on Mount Tabor looking down at this powerful army with all their chariots, God had not yet said to them, here's how this is going to happen. So I'm thinking, they're standing up there on the mountain thinking, oh, my soul, how is God going to do this? Look at the size of that army. Look at those iron chariots, those Abrams tanks. How are we going to win this thing? Then the clouds roll in and the rain starts and God makes it known. They rush down the mountain and, and, and they destroy, utterly destroy Sisera's army. Now, what's the lesson for God's people? God wins. That's the lesson for God's people. God wins. The blessing is found in fighting for and with him. Follow him regardless of the odds or the potential cost. Obey God. Let's continue with the song, verse 23. Curse Moroz. Moroz was north of Mount Tabor. It's not on your map. 
Curse Moroz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse its people bitterly because they did not come to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty. Okay, Moroz, probably not a real big town. Didn't send their soldiers. And for all of eternity, we read about the curse placed upon them. They probably wished they'd come. I know they did after it was over. All right, 24. Most blessed of women be Jael, who's she? Yeah, the tent peg woman. A tent peg woman, yeah. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Most blessed of tent dwelling women, which would have been almost all women at that time. He asked for water and she gave him milk in a bowl fit for nobles. She brought him curdled milk. Her hand reached for the tent peg, her right hand for the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera, she crushed his head, she shattered and pierced his temple. All right, with your stomachs full from a delicious lunch, just think about it. At her feet, he sank. He fell there, he lay, uh, he fell there, he lay. Now, he's already laying down, but this is a word picture uh, of what happened to him. At her feet he sank, he fell, there he lay. At her feet he sank, he fell, where he sank, there he fell dead. (laughs) I just love that song. I love that song. You know, when we get to heaven and you got an entire eternity to do whatever we do in heaven, maybe at some point you can find Deborah and say, would you sing that song for me? And, And I'm sure she'd be glad to do that. Now, uh, let, let, let's stop there for a second. So there, there, there is a curse for those who stay home and don't get involved. So be careful about knowing what God wants you to do as part of the people of God and deciding you're going to opt out. Be, be careful about that. Now, in reality, God does not need help but he allows his people to help. He gives us the joyous privilege of getting in on what he, he wants us to do. God can do anything. Uh, God could um, have totally annihilated Sisera's army without any involvement in Israel's army. But God chose for his people to be involved and gave them the joy and the privilege of being involved. And so Deborah sings a song about it. In verse 24, Blessed is Jael, the tent peg lady. She took her place in the story of God. And she helped to kill God's enemy. Marvelous. Well, the the the, the, uh, the song is almost done. So now look at verse 28 of chapter of chapter, uh, oh, we're doing good, of chapter thir- uh, chapter 5. Here we go. Now, this is the end of the song, so get how she ties all this together. Through the window peered Sisera's mother. Behind the lattice, she cried out. So in her palatial home, she's the mother of the general, behind the lattice work, through the window, wouldn't have been glass, but through the open window, behind the lattice, she cried out, why is his chariot so long in coming? 
Where's my, where's my son? Why is the clatter of his chariots delayed? She's standing there expecting her son to show up any minute uh, with his victorious army. The wisest of her ladies, her attendants, answered her, and indeed she keeps saying to herself, are they not finding and dividing the spoils? That's what they're doing. You know, they've beaten Israel and they're collecting all the loot. That takes time. That's what she's saying to Sisera's mother. Now notice this, a woman or two for each man. Do you get the, do you get the picture of what that means? Yeah, they're going to take the women of Israel and they're going to do awful things to them. And that's why they're so slow getting back. So I don't have to elaborate for you to get the picture of that. Colorful garments as plunder. I've got to stop for a second. Here's the mother of Sisera who somehow finds delight in the fact that her son enslaves women and then makes sport of them. So are you getting the picture of a pagan people? No wonder God said, destroy them all. Destroy them all. Now, colorful garments as plunder for Sisera, colorful garments embroidered, highly embroidered garments for my neck. Oh, yeah, getting personal. All of this as plunder? Oh, so his mother is expecting, I'm going to get some new clothes out of this deal. You know, uh, Macy's, they're going to bring me some nice stuff. So, I, you know, I, I, that's cute, I know, and I'm trying to be cute. But uh, that's that's her. She's there thinking, oh, okay, I know why my son hadn't come home yet. He's getting clothes for mama. Okay. Well, let's go to verse 31. So may all of your enemies perish, Lord, Deborah says, but may all who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. Well, that's a great word picture. I love that. Then, just sort of matter of, fact, matter of factly, the chapter ends. Then the land had peace 40 years. Most of you in this room are north of 40. Picture where you were 40 years ago. You can do the math. Quickly, do the math. Where were you? What were you doing 40 years ago? That's the expanse of time in which Israel had peace because of the victory over Sisera. Now, Deborah pictures Sisera's mother and her ladies in waiting. They discuss how things should go. We learn that Sisera likes to steal and rape and enslave women. And so his mother assumes that he is uh, occupying himself with that. And that's the reason he hadn't come home yet. In verse 30, where he uses the word um, woman, a better translation of the word used there in the Hebrew text would be girl slave. Enhances the picture. He makes girls into sex slaves. Sisera, his mother, all of them were utterly wicked. And she can't fathom that he has been defeated. I mean, that doesn't appear to even cross her mind that her son may have been defeated and may have been killed. 
This section of Judges is framed around the action of women, Deborah and Jael. They end the hellish nightmare of Israel. Many women suffered terribly under Jabin and Sisera. The man who used women was killed by a woman. And somehow, and and God forgive me if I shouldn't feel this way, but somehow that is delicious. Now there's peace for 40 years. Chapter 5 sees God's hand behind everything. It celebrates success and honors God supremely. Praise be to God. Now I want to, true goodness, okay, where does the time go? All right, here's the way I'm going to finish. Look at your life historically and theologically. Okay, just stop for a minute. Think about your life from back there to now. Look at your life historically. That's easy to do. Okay, I was born, went to school, did this, did that. Look at your life historically, but also look at it theologically. What do I mean by that? It's what Deborah did. What has God done and what is God doing? There is much that he has done for which we can praise him. Now, next week we're going to finish up chapter 5. We've already looked at all the verses, but I've got some stuff I want to say about the chapter. The chapter is fierce and it's bloodthirsty and filled with praise for God. So how do we reconcile all that in light of the words of Jesus who said, love your enemies and do good to them? How do we, how do we balance that and reconcile that? Well, we can and we will. And so that's where we'll pick up um, next Wednesday. Okay? No breaks until the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and we will take that day off. And then if you'd like to vote, um, we can do that. Christmas Day is Wednesday, and if you would like to meet, if you'll raise your hand, we'll... uh, (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we won't meet Christmas Day or New Year's Day, so uh, we'll, we'll pick it back up after that. Otherwise, straight through the end of the year. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the marvelous, incredible, glorious way in which you work in and through our lives to bring glory and honor to yourself. Thank you for doing your will in our lives. Thank you that as we reflect on our lives, not just historically but theologically, we can see the hand of God moving, working, doing, blessing, encouraging in our, in our lives. And for that, we are so thankful and so grateful. So with that in our minds, help us to go remembering that and rejoicing in that and bring us back together in this place next Wednesday. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. See you next week.